Well, welcome everyone. This is Worldview Matters. I'm Ross, and this is my co-host Bob. Bob, great to be with you, my friend. Thanks, Ross. It's always good to be with you too, and I look forward to some of the things we're going to be talking about today. A continuation of our last uh, podcast where we talked about is there a date for the end of the world? My, my. Interesting. Well, I tell you, there's a lot of things happening around the world that would give you an indication that at least some of the events that we are led to believe will be a foretelling of the end of the world. Uh, Bali, and you could, we could name three other things where the Islamic world is in turmoil or uprising. You see the, the, the preacher who is in Iran that they're talking about executing uh, there are, it's we're seeing tremendous uprising in the islamic community of various stages or various types and how does that fit in bob to the end of the world prognostication well you know it's interesting because the the, the uprising in mali which has really been going on for a long time uh, when when al-qaeda Muslim uh, insurgents came in there and began applying Sharia law. I mean, this goes back to some of the the the, the Worldview Matters podcasts several weeks ago. But you know, the, the truth is that that the scriptures say that 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 region, the region of the Middle East, and that would I think include some of the nations of Northern Africa, because there's lots and lots of mentions of those nations as being almost like dominoes, but that region is going to be the epicenter of the events of the end time. So there is direct bearing on all this. Now, but you have to remember one thing. Uh, when, when Jesus was asked about when the temple would be destroyed and what would be the sign of the end of the age and of his reappearing, he did say that you're going to hear of wars and rumors of war, and that's not the end. That's just the beginning of birth pangs. So the fact that we see all this uh, this maneuvering and uh, the uprisings in various nation states around Israel and within Israel, that in and of itself is not the primary sign. But those things are harbingers, if you will. Uh, Jesus called them birth pangs that will lead up to a time that we can recognize as Wow, the threshold of the very end of the world. And that's really what we need to talk about today, I think. Well, it's interesting that not to make a relationship between Churchill and God, but uh, Churchill did at one point when asked, is this the beginning of the end? And he said, no, it's not the beginning of the end, but it's the end of the beginning. And so uh, there's a transition point there. And, may, and so what we're seeing is that we are in that transition phase probably we don't know the distance we don't know whether the distance between here and the end of the world uh, is the same as between here and the beginning of the world or the coming of Christ or anything we don't know the date we don't know the time period exactly what he has given us in scripture are some things to look at and to say when you see these things hearken because there's there are things happening and there will be a fulfillment of prophecy just as there has been up to this point is that how you would read that bob it is and that's exactly what we talked about uh for our last two or three shows about how there have been prophecies made some of them three thousand four thousand twenty five hundred or so years ago that occurred when jesus came to the earth the first time and they're going to be 
prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled but will be fulfilled when Jesus comes back the second time. And you made a good point there, Ross, that we don't know the exact day, but we can know the season and the time, sort of the the evidences. And as we see these things accelerating, just like birth pangs of a of a woman in labor, you know that the baby's coming soon. You know that the end of the world is coming soon. Well, what else are we, are we looking for at this point? Or how would you say these are the events that are unfolding or will unfold? How do you tie that together? Well, you know, it's interesting. Right before Jesus was resurrected back to heaven, he was standing with his disciples and, and they asked him a question. Is this the time that you're going to be restoring the, the kingdom to Israel. And they were talking about the fact that Israel had lost the kingdom. Uh, this is part of that prophecy in Daniel. And Jesus didn't say, uh, you know, I'm not going to restore the kingdom to Israel. He said, it's not for you to know the date of that restoration. But earlier he said, you can know the season. You can know the time. Yeah, I think that we can know the season. Uh, earlier, we talked about that incredible prophecy in Daniel chapter 9, uh, verse 24, where Daniel talks about the 70 weeks that have been decreed for uh, the kingdom of Israel. And um, actually, that's talking about prof- those are prophetic weeks, Ross, as we discussed, that basically a week uh, is a seven-year period. So Daniel gave us these uh, this uh, update, this uh, heads up, if you will, that there were going to be these 490 years that we could look at. Uh, seven years and then an additional uh, 62, I'm sorry, seven weeks and then an additional 62 weeks or 49 years and then an additional 434 years. And then this last seven years at the very end of time where a lot of things were going to be happening. And uh, that prophecy just the framework for being able to calculate what is the season where a lot of these things happen. Well, is there an indication of where we stand in that period of uh, 490 years? Well, I, I, think, I think that there's an indication that, that the first parts of that have indeed already been fulfilled. Um, if you go back and look, in fact, you know, we talked about this last time. There was a, a the clock started uh, on March the 14th. 445 BC, when there was a decree given to rebuild Jerusalem. We historians know when that was given. Nehemiah uh, and Ezra went back to, they'd been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. They went back into Israel and they rebuilt the city during times of trouble. And that happened. That, That took about a generation or 49 years for that to happen. And then there was this, this other 434 years from that time, that was going to be a period when people of a ruler to come were going to destroy the city and the Antichrist, I'm sorry, the Messiah was going to be cut off. Now, if you go back and do the calculations, in fact, Sir Robert Anderson did those from from March 14th, 445 BC, uh, moving forward 62 sevens, you come to April the 6th, 32 AD, which is when the Messiah came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey and was crucified that week. But what we don't know 
is we don't know when this last seven-year period will happen, but we do have a clue as to what will happen during that week that will give us an indicator that we're in it. So what you're saying is that everything has been fulfilled up until this last point. And then the question is, when does the clock start on that last point, that last period, correct? That's exactly right. And Scripture gives us an indicator of what that is. It says that in in the middle of that period, uh, the Antichrist is going to be revealed. And everyone will know that, especially those who are prepared, who are looking for these seasons. When we see this happening, we'll go, wow, the last three and a half years, uh, according to Revelation, the last 42 months are now have begun. Now, that seven-year period is a, a period that will be the first three and a half years will be characterized by a period of peace and a, a signed by a covenant between this Antichrist and the nation of Israel. And I think that's what we should be looking for in our When you see covenants of peace being signed, we, every time we, we see one of those, we ought to go, is this the last covenant of peace? Now, there have been other covenants of peace that, that have been signed before, but going to be this one last one, but in the middle of it, the Antichrist is going to be revealed. Bob, question. Is there an indication of any any kind that the Antichrist is alive today? Well, that's a great question. In fact, uh, that question has come up throughout the generation since the church was formed and uh, Israel ceased to be in the land. I think people have always been looking to say, who is this guy? What's he going to be like? And one one of the letters to the Thessalonian church, uh, Paul makes an allusion to the fact that that he's being restrained, and until the one who uh, is restraining him is removed, he's not going to be revealed. But uh, the Scripture also says that in one sense, the Antichrist, plural, They've been around since Jesus went back to heaven. But there will be, if you will, one capital A Antichrist. And it seems like the the only indicator that we will have that he is the capital A Antichrist is that in the midst of this covenant with Israel, he will stand up in a holy place in Israel. And scholars debate about whether that's an actual temple or just the site of the old temple, or what? We don't know. There's a lot of mystery about that. But he will stand up and announce that he is God. He's God. He's going to make a public announcement. All the nations of the world will hear it. And uh, at that point, he will begin a reign of terror on the earth. Uh, So when we talked about Sharia law earlier and the incredible brutality of that, it hearkens to something similar happening in the time of the Antichrist. Now, I'm not saying, Ross, that that uh, that the Antichrist is going to be Islamic. Mm-hmm. But I am saying that whoever he is, he's going to have incredible power and control, and we'll know that when he announces himself as God. But earlier, I think it's also important that it's going to be in the middle of one of these peace treaties. Now, there have been several peace treaties signed in the past. You know, the 1st the and 2nd and 13th Camp David Accords and all of those. 
So every time you see one of these signed or an agreement made between Israel and any of her neighbors, that doesn't necessarily mean that is the capital P peace treaty, but it does mean that when we see that happen, we all ought to be going, hmm, let me take a look at this a little bit more carefully. It's interesting. I think a lot of the, if, if you go back to the mid-70s, there were a number of books, and we talked about this before, number of books and prognosticators. Hal Lindsey was the main one who said, I think he wrote The Late Great Planet Earth, and the feeling among a lot of people, and I think the Christian community sort of picked up on this, was that the end of the earth was imminent. And if if, if it came today, uh, you would have to say, well, okay, imminent. It was only 30 or 40 years ago that he made that prediction, and uh, here's where we are, because time periods are protracted or extended. But given what you've just said, if you want to get in the weeds and look at it from a pedestrian standpoint, our questions would be maybe not as much theological as more uh, more tactile, I guess, about where we are at this point. But when that person reveals himself, will he probably have been a rising political star or military star up to that point? Will the two nations, will the nation of Israel and whatever other nation have been in conflict? And there's a peace treaty, as I think back and Something more recent, think about what Neville Chamberlain did when he went back from the meeting in Munich with Hitler and he had that piece of paper and he said, here is uh, an indication with both of our signatures that there will be peace in our time. Will that be the kind of statement he will make or will he say, I am here and I am God and and watch out? What's your thought about it? Well, a couple of thoughts there based on what you said. I, I think for sure this person is going to be an international leader. He's going to be probably a political head of state. Now, the question is, what state will he be head of? Uh, there are some places in Scripture that seem to refer to a coalition of nations, and maybe this person might be the spokesman for that. These are things that are a little bit murky. They'll become clearer and clearer as we get in that season. But here's the one thing I think we need to keep in mind, that that person may not be the leader of a nation that's at war with Israel. He certainly could be that, but he may be a broker of peace. He could be someone who comes in and says, okay, guys, let's stop fighting uh, my nation state or my coalition of nation states will guarantee safe passage for all the nations in this region and will guarantee it militarily. So uh, whoever this, this person is, he probably is going to have control of an incredibly powerful military machine to be able to broker or ensure some kind of peace. So I think we need to be looking for that. And and the debate is always what is is there a role for America in all this? Right. It comes up a lot in some of the discussions I'm in. And and the answer to that is it's really kind of unclear. Uh, mm-hmm. There could be a role for America. Uh, could America be the kingdom of the Antichrist? That's certainly possible if the Antichrist is a broker of peace and not one of the signers of a peace treaty. But the evidence is going to be that at, at some point that person is going to say, listen, everybody, you need to understand this. I am 
I want you to worship me. I'm God. I am looking for and expecting your worship uh, of me from this point forward. Bob, let me go back again to World War II as um, an example. It would be easy to have looked in the late 20s, early 30s, more in the mid-30s and around 37 to World War II, or the beginning parts of World War II, and then World War II in September of 39, and say that Hitler could have easily been deemed the Antichrist because everything that he was saying and the people saying about him, around him, his desire to take over the world could have put him in a position of being the Antichrist now, or of being deemed to be the Antichrist. Uh, Accurate, inaccurate. No, I think you're right on to something, Ross. In fact, I think that we can now, looking back from our perspective back in history, we can say that it, that Hitler was an antichrist, little, little a. He was. He he set himself up to be kind of the supreme ruler, uh, and he was almost deified by many people. Certainly the Nazi party deified him. Here's what's amazing about your observation, though, is that the Antichrist, capital A, is going to be like Hitler in the sense that he's going to be incredibly persuasive. He's going to be incredibly charismatic. He's going to be incredibly motivational. He's going to be much beloved, not just by his home country, but by many, many of the nations of the earth, because He's going to be probably bringing something that the world desperately needs. And it may be this peace plan that he brings to the Middle East. I mean, it could be that the Middle East explodes. It it spills out into the larger theater. And this person comes in and says, we can stop this. And I think at that point, it's going to be incredibly hard to, to say, you know, he's not a world ruler. But the thing he's going to do that Hitler didn't, Hitler stopped short of doing, at least publicly, is he's going to actually declare himself to be God worthy of worldwide worship. Yeah, it was those around him that declared Hitler as being God. I, I remember one specific statement made by Heydrich, one of his leaders, who was arguing with someone on in the inner circle who was sort of defecting a little bit. And he chased him down after a meeting and said, years, years from now, you will look back and see that you were in the presence of God himself, yeah. uh, relating to Hitler. But the other thing about where it was different about Hitler was that uh, he really wasn't looked at by people around the world as being any sort of savior. He was looked at as being tyrannical. So that's where it falls down. But I think your your points that around the world he will be perceived as a person that you that is worthy of the trust and worthy of, <clears throat> of following. I think that's right, and I, I think there's another characteristic that Hitler shares with the Antichrist, capital A, and that is a profound hatred for the Jews. Mm. I think we're going to see that happen. That uh, m- there might be an exterior uh, face that says I'm for Israel, but three and a half years into this covenant of peace. He's going to turn on Israel and, uh, and actually try to eliminate and eradicate Israel. So that's another similarity. But, you know, even, even at the time of Hitler, Ross, there were many 
people around the world that really thought that Hitler could be the Antichrist. So you're on good, solid historical footing to make the comparison, I think. Well, it's interesting to indicate something that many people either lived through and saw or certainly have studied and understand exactly what it's like. So it brings it probably into a modern day. But the possibility does exist that the Antichrist is living. Probably um, you could could say that uh, not in thinking that we're still looking. Who knows? Who knows? We're we're playing conjecture when we ought to be talking about the reality of the signs that we see. Well, and I think the sign is going to be this covenant of peace and then this declaration three and a half years into it of the deity of this world ruler. Now, it's interesting that we need to just maybe make one other comment about this guy, though. There are several things we could say about him, but one in particular uh, in the book of Daniel. And we've been talking about the book of Daniel a lot. uh, Daniel says that. Uh, he's going to come from that the people of the ruler that's to come is going to be the one that sets up this abomination that causes desolation. That's one of the signs at this three and a half year mark. This ruler is going to somehow defile the heart of the Jewish religion. And uh, the people of the ruler to come were the Romans. Uh, they when they first just when they well, they destroyed the second temple in 70 A.D. Um, that was a Roman uh, legion. It was Titus and the Roman legions that came to do that. And, um, you know, a sidebar here, maybe in a future show, we can talk about how prophecy often has multiple fulfillments, but we can cover that later. But here's the thing I think we do need to point out now, that it's very well possible that it may not be talking about the nation state of of, of Italy being the home state of this ruler. But I think it may be talking about that he's going to possibly be seen as the supreme political figurehead of the Western Empire, which is really what Rome was, which gives us an idea that this this person may not be Islamic. He may not be from Iran. He may not be from Iraq. Hmm. He He may be from Europe. He could be from the United States. I mean, that's what we just don't know. We do know this, though, that he's going to sign a, pre- a peace treaty and he's going to he's going to break it and begin to persecute not just the Jews, but any Christians left on the earth. Well, interesting. Interesting. Well, what other signs, Bob, do you see or are there indicated that we should be looking for or? Should we be looking for these signs? Should we simply be living our life, drawing closer to to Christ, and forget this idea about the the second coming? What where where should we? How now should we live? As Schaefer said. Well, I think that's that's a great question, and maybe the most important question, because people can confuse themselves and drive themselves crazy, and some have actually trying to find. Uh, the exact details of this. But Jesus Christ said two things about this season. He said that we should keep watch. In other words, we're going to have enough of an indication that we're in that season that it's not going to take us like a thief. It's not going to totally surprise us. So we should keep watch. The second admonition that Christ gave his disciples, and that would be his modern disciples, is that they should be ready. 
So keep watch, Matthew 24, 42, and be ready. And I think that being ready has more to do with getting our hearts ready. Always be have our hearts pliable, in, in, inclined toward the true God. Uh, you know, I think, Ross, it was, it was you that first told me that the, the way that you can recognize a counterfeit is by being so aware of what the genuine article looks like. If, right. if you want to know what a counterfeit $20 bill looks like, study the genuine $20 bill, and you'll be able to recognize a counterfeit while it comes. And I think that that has more to do with the being ready. So the action steps for us are, yeah, let's be on the lookout for the, for the signs, but let's also be preparing our hearts every day so that we won't be surprised or asleep. That's the word Jesus used uh, when, these, when this era, this season comes about. Interesting. So, you know, that may be a, a topic for a whole show. How now should we live? What, what should be our steps in light of our viewpoint, our Christian viewpoint, and the second coming of Christ. I think we ought to slide that aside, and after we talk some more about uh, is do we know the end of the world, do we know the date for the end of the world, talk more about other things about how we should now live. But that's a good, maybe that's a good lead-in to that. Um, well, so, I, I agree with you more. In fact, if I could, I know we're just about out of time here, but I think that that the the biblical admonition for people on the earth during that season is to be mature. It's to be mature. That's how you live. You live maturely. You live uh, in step with God's Holy Spirit. You live having grown up so you can discern what the times are. And you, Ross, you know I'm a big believer that maturity is incredibly important for Christian people. Well, let me just, let me add, if I could, Bob has spent his entire adult life developing processes of for how people can grow to maturity. And our show is Worldview Matters. Bob has a book coming out soon called Maturity Matters. And I think people will want to 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 get a copy of that. And I believe that you'll see a lot of the things that we're talking about here. Uh, there will be some some plans and ways that we as believers can grow to maturity and in on a daily basis as we're preparing for the things that we're talking about today. So just a plug for Bob. And I've I've known Bob for a significant number of decades to know that not only can he talk about this, is he well researched, but he lives it more than anyone I've ever seen in my life. That's a plug. No need for comment, Bob. That comes straight from me. So you you people out there who are listening now are sitting at the, the foot, so to speak, of a person who knows and lives the Christian life. Well, I sure aspire to do that, Ross, as, as I know you do too. And I know many of our listeners do. And, you know, I really like what you said, that in view of these times that we live in, in view of the worldview that's going on around us, how should we live? That, that does, I'm looking forward to those shows. That should be interesting. Well, there have been a couple of books written by, uh, like that. Chuck Colson wrote one most recently and uh, years ago. Francis Schaeffer wrote another, and both of those are classics. If anyone wants to 
look at those books. They're great, great books. Both of those men have since passed away. But uh, I think we can look toward that, Bob. As we are preparing for next show, anything you'd like to say that would um, lead us into the next show that we're going to have a week away? Well, I do think that there there may not be a way that we can discern the exact date of the end of the world. But in summary, I do think we can know the broad stroke season, even the within months of the end of the world. 42 months, exactly. It's what the scripture tells us. We can have a 42-month window to know when the, when the Lord might return. But I think what you said there at the end, Ross, is, is most important. Even though we can't know the details, we can keep watch and we can be ready. Well, great. I think that's a great place to end this one. And we'll pick up here next week. We'd love to have you come back. But in the meantime, listen to some other shows on Big Brains Media. Our uh, our leader, James Spann, has one called Weather Brains. Uh, there is one on Alabama football, one on Auburn football. Eavesdrop is a, a discussion between two women of women's issues. Just talking it up, Crash and Janet um, go crazy on a lot of things around this world. So we've got some great things uh, on Big Brains Media that you can listen to, and we'd appre- we appreciate your support of us. and would ask you to come back and visit with us next week. Bob, great being with you again, as usual. Thanks to all the people at Big Brains Media, JP and James. We appreciate all the help that you give us. Thanks. See you next week. This has been Worldview Matters, brought to you by Big Brains Media. To leave feedback for Ross or Bob, visit us at www.bigbrainsmedia.com.